And welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deke. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We are talking strictly Dallas Cowboys today. And no one else to do with than John Machota from The Athletic. He writes about the Cowboys there. John, what's going on? How's your summer been? It's pretty good. I mean, it's really hot here in, in Texas, so that yeah. part sucks. But uh, I'm originally from Detroit. I hate cold weather. I will take extreme heat over extreme cold, so I'm fine with it. I agree. I'm from Toronto, Ontario, so I 100% agree with you on that one. Um, a little disappointed that your Pistons didn't get the, the number one <laughs> overall pick, I'm assuming. Yeah, absolutely, especially when you are the worst team in the NBA. But, uh, I mean, they've been bad for so long that it's kind of like if they don't have the pieces by now, then maybe it's just not going to happen. Who knows? Are you, but, yeah, are no, you still, I was very disappointed. Are you still a Lions fan? I mean, I would love to see them win a Super Bowl, but – if I'm being honest, I can't say that I keep up with them as closely as I did before I started covering the Cowboys. It just, you know, on Sundays, it just, it's tough to do that. And then during the week, you know, there's just not many days where the only really during the season, the only day that you really have much time to yourself is probably Saturday. Cause either you're traveling on Saturday to go to a road game or uh, you just, you got a home game on Sunday. So uh, I'm able to keep up a lot more with college football than I am as closely as I, I was but I would, yeah, I would love to see the Lions win a Super Bowl. Uh, I would love it, uh, probably for me and my friends the most, but also for the city of Detroit because yeah. um, I put Detroit as a sports town up against just about any sports town. It just they just haven't had the winning teams there. But there's a ton of passionate sports fans there that they deserve. They deserve a Super Bowl. I would say the Lions fans deserve deserve a Super Bowl more than any fan base I can think of in sports deserves a championship. No, you're definitely right with that one. Um, and this year they're getting a lot of hype. I don't know if I'm fully bought in on the Detroit Lions hype for this year, but uh, they're def- this is definitely, I guess, quote-unquote, their year for the first time in a long time if they're going to make a run. Um, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys, though, the team that you cover. So I'm going to start with a generic question here. Any kind of mini camp or OTA takeaways? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that certainly jumped out was, was the speed of Brandon Cooks. You know, wide receiver was a position that the Cowboys just didn't adequately – address last year you know they they traded Amari Cooper they were ready to go in another direction there and, and and I'm fine with that but they had to do a better job replacing him and they didn't get anything from Jalen Tolbert who they took in the third round uh and Michael Gallup was nowhere close to what he was before his knee injury and so they needed to go out and get a, some more weapons on the perimeter and Brandon Cook certainly looked the part during OTAs and minicamp which that you can see that when it's just seven on seven pads aren't on things like that. The speed jumps out to you. The problem is that you go into an OTA minicamp and you want to see Mozzie Smith, the first round pick, but a defensive tackle without any pads on, that's not really showing you a lot that you can sit there and bring back to fans and say, Oh, you know, yeah, he's a big guy, but I can't sit there and tell you that he, you know, he was just destroying people. And, and to be honest with you, it kind of bothers me a little bit when people do say that off of these OTAs and minicamps, like they're trying to oversell stuff at these practices that of some of these NFL teams. I'm just like, I think that you're trying too hard to kind of get some stuff across here. They're not really going at it like that. Uh, and certainly the Cowboys aren't, I mean, they're a team that the last two off season have been penalized for too much contact during OTAs and minicamp, which got Mike McCarthy fine the last two off seasons. And it's got them uh, penalized by losing practices. So while I would love to come on here and just give you like, 30 minutes of just great observations of what was going on out there, you know, cause the other big one with the Cowboys is 
how does the offense look now with Mike McCarthy calling plays? <laughs> Guys, I'm just going to hey, I, right I had that on my question sheet too. So uh, uh, they think that you're getting out of, that out of OTAs and minicamp in, in 2023 NFL. Now, hey, 20, I don't even know. Let's not even say 20s. 1987? Sure. Yeah, that probably would have worked. Yeah. 2023 with the collective bargaining agreement? Good luck on that. I mean, really, to be honest with you, the best thing you can get in terms of content out of OTAs and minicamp are some of those videos I'm sure you've seen online of like, and it's not fair, but like, it'll be like Baker Mayfield looking awful and just like airing some balls out that you're just like, Whoa, these are routes on air. Like that looks that bad. There are some of the rookie quarterbacks. You can kind of get some stuff there, how they're leading the huddle and stuff like that. But like for a veteran offense, a really stacked defense, it's not like Micah Parsons was out there pinning his ears back, trying to sack Dak Prescott. Now, if he was trying to do that, believe me, Micah looks the part. But there was not any major changes to the offense. I'd say, like I said, the biggest thing that stood out was really Brandon Cooks' speed and just kind of what he should bring, pairing him with C.D. Lamb, pairing him with Michael Gallup. I mean, this wide receiver group should be much improved from a year before. No, you're right. Like, just like kind of like from the Eagles' perspective, like the big takeaway from Eagles minicamp is Jacoby Dean has the green dot. Like, he's calling plays. And Zeke or Zach McPherson is playing in the slot. That's basically the only, and most people don't know who Zach McPherson is. So you're 100% yeah. right. Like, uh, OTS mini cape, you can't get a lot. I want to talk about Brandon Cooks, though. Um, so they, that was, I guess, their big offseason edition. I actually wrote um, a piece at the score five months ago um, about it was during the Super Bowl run when I think CD Lamb was on Radio Row and he was talking about like how they can how they can get help help Dak and what they should do to help Dak. And he says, you got to surround him with talent. And then I was kind of digging up some numbers. Um, Lamb had uh, 1,359 receiving yards last year. That made up 40% of all receiving yards on the Cowboys offense. Noah Brown was the only guy that had over 500 yards other than C.D. Lamb from a wide receiver perspective. Um, Do you think Brandon Cooks is going to kind of fix that gaping hole in in the offense that that I guess hasn't when Michael Gallup was hurt? And then last year, Michael Gallup just didn't contribute that. Um, Is Brandon Cooks that big of an addition for this offense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, just his veteran presence, the leadership he has in that wide receiver room and just everything he's seen bouncing around the NFL as much as he has and and, and standing out as much as he had for so many different teams uh, for it to click with Drew Brees and Tom Brady and, and even to put up some decent numbers when he was in Houston. And we know that was a dumpster fire. So to play with Dak Prescott, I would think that they should probably hit the ground running. They look like they were on the same page quite often during those OTAs and minicamp. The other part of it too, is that I do think Michael Gallup now is a second year removed from that ACL injury, you know, having that type of a surgery at that position. A lot of times it takes a couple of years before the player is all the way back. And, and when I say that, I don't mean necessarily physically it's, it's the mental part too. It's trusting the knee feeling like, especially for a guy like Michael Gallup, who's never had any major injuries throughout his career. You have a setback like that for someone who's never experienced anything like that. I can see how like mentally, you know, it might take you a little bit to feel real confident on that. Plus he's a really physical receiver. So to be able to go up and make some really big catches with guys on you and then to get, you know, land and, and, and feel like your knee is sound. I'm sure that that was a a little bit of a, a, you know, an acclimation process. I mean, I always look at this with those type of injuries is that it's got to seem even worse when it happens on like a routine play. It's one thing for a freak play to happen. Let's say, you know, a guy rolls up on you from behind. You're just like, Hey man, that just ball. How can you, but on, on the catch he made, when he suffered the injury, it's very like typical Michael Gallup catch. And so I do think that he's going to be much improved this year. And I, and I do think that the Cowboys are back to what they were 
when they had Gallup, Amari Cooper, and, and CD early in CD's career because of the fact that now all three of them have a chance to be thousand yard receivers. And Dak seems comfortable with all three. And so, um, yeah, I, I think Brandon Cooks will hit the ground running. I don't think there's going to be much of an acclimation process there. So Brandon Cooks was a big addition. They also brought in Stefan Gilmore. What, I guess I saw you did uh, an article kind of surveying Cowboys fans, and one of the questions was grade the offseason. How did they do from, like, I think it was A to F. Um, you don't have to give a specific grade on the Cowboys offseason, but what did you make of what the Cowboys did this offseason in general? Yeah, I mean, I would say this. If I was giving it a grade, it'd probably be about a B, B plus. Um, it started out on, a, I mean, heck, you go in the same week you trade for, you know, Stefan Gilmore and then get cooks. I mean, that's two of arguably their biggest needs that you tell me that you had both of those players on last year's team, that Cowboys team could have won the Super Bowl. I mean, that was, that was their big issue was the, the other starting corner opposite of Trayvon Diggs. And then the fact that they didn't have another receiver kind of emerged there. And so while that helped CD lambs numbers, it kind of made the offense a little predictable, especially after in that playoff game when Tony Pollard went down. And so because of that, I don't know. I look at the whole group as kind of like, it just, it's kind of like the defense is a, is the strength here. And, and that's just a wild thing to say for a team that for so long has been built so heavily on the offense. So to see them sit there and not have many weaknesses and go in this off season and go get Stefan Gilmore. And then to go get Mozzie Smith to fill your two biggest holes on defense. Like there's really not a weakness across the board on defense other than possibly the depth at linebacker. If they were to lose Leighton Van Der Esch, there'd be some concerns there. Um, but outside of that, I mean, they got some really strong depth across the board. And then to add Stefan Gilmore, a veteran presence like that, who, I mean, he'll tell you that he feels as good as he has at any point in the last two or three years. Cause he was dealing with his own injuries and he still had a really good season last year in Indianapolis. And so do I think Gilmore is going to be contributing for the next two, three years? No, but I think for this season, I think he could be a really valuable piece. Allow Jerron Bland, uh, the, the guy that led them interceptions last year with five to kind of be more of a nickel, uh, you know, and then a guy that can play really all the uh, corner positions. Like they're just their defensive backfield is very strong now that they've added Gilmore to it. And for two fifth round picks, I believe, right? That's what they gave up for those guys. What did what did they well, give up for Cooks? So for Cooks, it was a fifth and a sixth, okay. and then for Gilmore, it was a fifth. So yeah. Okay. And you brought up the defense. Like one of the things that I. They finished, I think, first in defensive DVOA in 2021. And I kept saying, like, that's not going to stick to 2022. Usually defensive DVOA is kind of finicky. You usually don't finish the top five one year. It's hard to finish the top five the next year. They go back and do it. They finish second, right, I believe, right this year. So that defense has been, um, like, kind of carrying the team, like you said. And to drop in Stephon Gilmore, I, I think the Cowboys had a heck of an offseason. Um, well, and one other thing I wanted to add on that, the fact that they were able to sit there and back-to-back seasons lead the league in takeaways. You talk about a yeah. stat that's all over the map that, that is very unpredictable, right? Yeah. I mean, to be the first defense that's done that in back-to-back years since the steel curtain defense that the Steelers had, I mean, that's a long time. A lot of balls have been played and you add Gilmore to that. It makes it realistic that you're like, man, could they really lead the league in takeaways three years in a row? It seems absurd. Cause that, that stat is just so, tough to predict from year to year but for that for them to do that i would say if there was one stat to point out that why have the cowboys been you know how, why have they had finally back-to-back like 12 win seasons like they have i mean i would point to micah parsons but if i was pointing to an individual but in terms of stats 
it certainly is that takeaway stat. It's crazy that I did that in back-to-back years. If you're like me, you were tired of trying to find jeans that fit right no matter your build and still look good. Introducing the newest sponsor of the Double Dunk Podcast, Sweat Taylor, a premium menswear brand that is defining a new kind of casual. I started wearing Sweat Taylor, and I am blown away by how comfortable and affordable the clothes are. And, of course, they look great. My favorite is the all-in pants. It's a five-pocket pant that feels like sweats but look way better. Thoughtfully tailored and unbelievably stretchy. From jackets and pants to joggers and hoodies, Sweat Taylor's designs are made to seamlessly fit into your life, moving from runway to office, office to drinks, and drinks to wherever the night takes you. Specializing in casual wear for men, pieces are designed with comfort and versatility in mind for your everyday. Use promo code B-D-E-E-G-S-T. That is B-D-E-G-S-T for 25% off. That, again, is B-D-E-E-G-S-T for 25% off your order at SweatTaylor.com. Okay, so let's talk about the the face of the franchise, Dak Prescott. He is entering into the second last year of his contract. His cap hit is around twenty six million dollars. Scheduled to have is it fifty nine million in twenty twenty four? Yeah, fifty nine million in twenty twenty four. That's due to be because they kept buying, they kept kicking the can yeah. down the road, buying money for future years. So this was coming. Usually, you never see a quarterback go in a, like a Dak Prescott's caliber at least go into the final year of a contract. We're seeing it happen right now in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, um, but that's like that's the base point. Like Kirk Cousins is kind of the base point of this. You'll Dak Prescott's probably not going to go into the final year of his contract. Do you see a Dak Prescott contract extension coming? Yeah, absolutely, I do. I mean, the fifty nine point five million is a big reason why. The other is is that. He, they can't franchise tag him again. It's in his current contract, so they can't do that. And so that makes it really uh, a sticking point if you were to go into that final year. I don't think, to be honest with you, I, I don't think it would bother Dak that much because he's played in those situations before. I mean, heck, he, he suffered that gruesome ankle injury while he was, you know, franchise tag. I mean, a lot of people would look at that injury the bones coming out of the skin. I mean, if you talk about like, oh, you know, players don't want to go in this last, you know, year of their contract because of the injury concerns. I mean, there's not many injuries that are that much worse than what he had and he got the new contract. So I bet you he's not that concerned, but the Cowboys have to be because here's the thing, like, of course he's the quarterback of the Cowboys. So, you know, you're going to hear a lot of negative, you're, but then there's a lot of positive too. I think it's silly to talk of going in another direction. I just think that the, the chances of you upgrading are, so so slim compared to the chances that you just totally mess the thing up you know and and you're basically the cowboys of post aikman until you found romo type thing and so i i I, do i think that he's the most gifted best quarterback in the league no but like you mentioned kirk cousins like i'm taking dak prescott every day of the week over kirk cousins you Mm -hmm. know and i still think kirk cousins is a guy that deserves to be a starter in this league like you can do a lot worse than kirk cousins Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like Dak's not Patrick Mahomes. I, you know, I, he's not Joe Burrow. Um, you know, if I was ranking quarterbacks in the league, I'd probably have him somewhere between six to 10 yep, and, right. yeah. and, and, and can he play at a top five level? Well, he did in that Bucks game and their in their wildcard game when they beat the Bucks, he played like a top five quarterback, but then the following week, you know, they, they lose to the Niners and that's arguably the worst game I've ever seen Dak Prescott play. So there's that, the ups and downs like that. Uh, can be concerning, but not enough for me to think, yeah, you know what? It might be time to kick the tires on somebody else here. I just think that would be a bad decision. And so because of that, yeah, I think they 
ultimately do. And it is wild how that happens because man, when he signed that last one in four years, you know, 40 million per year, 160 total, that put him second highest behind Mahomes. And now he's fallen to I think he's tied for eighth or ninth. And that's with like Daniel Jones just got the same deal four years, mm-hmm. 160, you know. And I mean, I, I don't even have time to argue with somebody that thinks Daniel Jones is on the same level as Dak Prescott. Um, so it's crazy. The money keeps going up at that position. Um, but I look at it as that just business, you know, it's going down at the running back position. And I'm one of these people that I'm fine with the players getting every penny they can get. You know, I really don't think Jerry Jones needs to have much more money. I think he's got a great life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the more that these players can get, hey, go get it. And the earlier you sign them for the better, like Justin Herbert's got a contract extension coming up too, right? Like there's, I feel like getting this done early. And you're right. Like, I think I remember Jimmy Garoppolo was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL at some point when he signed with the 49ers at one point, right? So um, that that position just continues to go up. And I, I, as an Eagles fan, I am a Dak Prescott believer. I think he's severely underrated. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think Cowboys fans should be lucky to have him. Um, it might just be the fact that he tortures the Eagles every time he plays the Eagles. He just loves playing against the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know why. I think it's he loves picking apart the the Gannon zone defense. He just owned Jonathan Gannon while he was here. When I'm interested from the Eagles standpoint, I'm interested to see Jalen Hurts going forward because obviously he got the big contract. And, and there's a part of me that wonders, okay, will he continue to climb and grow every season? I mean, he certainly seems like he has the right mentality for it. Yeah. And he certainly seems like he's built for that. But as you go forward, are you going to be able to put those same pieces around? I mean, that was a really talented offense around him. And that's the same thing like with Dak, like 2016, his rookie year, statistically, that's his, that's his best season. And you look at all the pieces, that was the best offensive line they had around him. That was by far Zeke's best year. And so teams were trying to shut down that run, you know, pass was kind of secondary. And so that the NFL, what I'm getting at is kind of, it evolves and and everything isn't the same from year to year. I mean, certainly that, that team that Patrick Mahomes just won the Super Bowl with is not the same team he won his last Super Bowl with. And so how these players grow in that. And I just, I look at Dak and, and I just think that he's the type of guy that if you have the right pieces around him, I do think he can get it done. And I know that there's a lot of people that don't believe that, but then again, if you listed off every quarterback in the NFL, how many are really a consensus that all fans, all NFL fans would say, yes, give me that quarterback, that personal, that, that, that will be the guy that can take us. I mean, I don't even know if you can get past Mahomes and maybe Joe Burrow before there'd be an argument about, you know, whether you're talking about Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts or even Herbert or whatever, you know, like there's always going to be those arguments. But just because I mentioned Herbert, I'll throw in there. It will be very interesting for Cowboys fans to watch Herbert this year because now he has Kellen Moore, the Cowboys OC. Cowboys fans be watching them very closely. Yeah. Um Okay, let's talk about the draft. Uh, the draft class that the Cowboys had. You brought up Mozzie Smith. Outside of Mozzie Smith, uh, which draft uh, draft pick that the Cowboys made are you most excited to watch? It's got to be Deuce Vaughn, just because yeah. he's a sixth round pick. It's a great story. It's the easiest story I think I've ever written because it's late in the draft. Mm-hmm. You know how hard it is to, to talk about a lot of these like sixth, seventh round picks. But not only is it a guy that you're like, oh, I've seen this guy like dominate at the college level. And so, you know, who he is from a college perspective very well. But then also the fact that, you know, his father works in the scouting department and, and is a great I mean, the draft room was awesome. Was oh, like, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. And his dad's a great dude. And mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the Cowboys brought him out after after the, the draft was over. And so we got to talk to him, too. And just, you know, talking to Deuce, like I will say this. I mean, you talk about OTA observations and rookie minicamp. He's really small. I mean, he's mm-hmm. the smallest NFL player I've I've been around. But 
running back position behind Tony Pollard is wide open. And because, well, even if Tony Pollard was hundred percent healthy, not coming off the, you know, the broken leg in the, in the uh, divisional round game at San Francisco, Tony Pollard now being the lead dog, he's not getting many, if any reps at all during the preseason. And so you look into these preseason games, you're like, what is there to watch for? Deuce Vaughn will be something to watch for throughout all of it because running backs like that, young running backs, they're going to give him the ball a lot. They want to see what he can do in space. He will be, I, I, I mean, you could even put him up there as maybe even being beyond Mozzie in terms of people to watch because there are certain things about defensive tackle, especially the position Mozzie will be playing where it's going to be a lot of eating up blockers and things like that. So Leighton Vanderesh can run free. I don't know that Mozzie Smith is going to be a guy that gets you six, seven, eight sacks in a season. He might be like a two or three guy. So, Whereas Deuce Vaughn, you don't even have to know a lot about football and it could jump off the page if this, you know, little guy is is basically pinballing around and making the, some of the plays that you saw him make at Kansas State. So I really don't think it's even close with another pick. Deuce Vaughn will be the one that everybody has their eyes on. He was one of the last guys taken where it wasn't like who, like who's this guy? Right, like right. never people knew him. Like he was, right. a, he was a, he was a uh, a name in college football. Like he was so fun to watch at Kansas State. Like I was covering the draft and score office when it hit like the seventh round. It was a whole lot of like I don't know who these people are. And yeah, then, but Juice was one of the last guys. Um, okay, I want to zoom out a little bit and kind of talk front office and coaching staff with you. So. I don't – I believe I have this right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mike McCarthy signed a five-year contract when he became the coach in 2020. That's so he will be entering his fourth year as the Dallas Cowboys head coach. Similar to what I talked about with Dak Prescott, you usually don't see a head coach go into the final year of a contract. Do you think this is kind of a make-or-break year for Mike McCarthy as the Cowboys head coach? I do because I think if you – like you mentioned that uh, fan survey on the athletic that I did, like the 30 questions, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's pretty clear that if it's not Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn is probably the guy like Dan, Dan Quinn has replaced Sean Payton as the, Oh, you know, Cowboys fans are always talking about, well, who's the next coach? Who's gonna be the I next went coach? back and listened to our episode from last year. There was a lot of Sean Payton conversation yeah. from last year. Yeah. So I think it's funny when people are like, it's obviously a topic down here where people will be like, well, take Sean out of the conversation now because he's in Denver. And it's like, well, that, that doesn't mean that, you know, that it's not going to be somebody else out there, but anyway, yeah. um, they do have a good work, working relationship. So I think that would be very awkward if it did come down to that. But this is kind of one of the things I've been thinking about a lot going into training camp, you know, when I'm writing stories and that is if it's an epic disaster and it's just an obvious, Hey, you know, Mike Cullen plays this whole thing. This wasn't the right way to go. We made a mistake but we still like our nucleus and our team. We're not trying to blow this whole thing up. It makes sense that you would go to Dan Quinn. I really don't see them having a disaster of a season now. Okay. Like maybe if Dak got injured, I mean, 2020 was a disaster after Dak went down, but then again, when Dak went down, they still won some games with Cooper rush and this defense is good enough that I think it'll keep them in almost every game. So uh, as long as it isn't some type of catastrophic done for the season type injury, I think they can absorb quite a few for this season not to be some epic disaster and I keep saying that because for a long time what it's been like is okay well then you have to win at least in the playoffs and 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 show that you're advancing to keep your job that was the thing with Jason Garrett okay get to playoffs now you got to win well you couldn't win in the playoffs now Mike McCarthy you have to do it but there is a small part of me that kind of believes though even if they had the same exact season again 12 wins losing the second round I could see Mike McCarthy selling Jerry Jones on the fact that it's three 12 win seasons. We'll say it's 10, three double digit win seasons in a row, which the Cowboys haven't done since those nineties Cowboys. And then the biggest part of it 
is I could see him selling Jerry on the fact that in year five in Green Bay for him is when they finally got over the top and won the Super Bowl. Okay. And they built for that, and they built for that, and I could see him selling Jerry on that. But you bring up a good point. That would be his last year. And how many coaches really want to be in this lame duck situation? It of, never happens. Never right. happens in the NFL, yeah. Exactly. Uh, did you uh, did you listen to the athletic football show? I think it was the last episode. They were talking about Mike McCarthy being compared to Sean Payton. Like they have such similar resumes. So um, I didn't and, I didn't hear that, but yeah, when it, when Mike McCarthy was hired as their head coach, I did a kind of a deep dive on that okay. and tweeted out the comparisons on like it is crazy how close that that they are for sure. Yeah, it's, it was very it was a really interesting conversation. I didn't know how close they were, and then like I would I, everyone thinks Sean Payton is just such a far superior head coach, like just from uh, just from the past, like all the Saints years. Um, but Mike McCarthy and him, like they're very similar win win percentage, playoff appearances. But Mike McCarthy has a bad rap that end of the Packers year, and then some of the, like the the in game decision making, like he has just kind of that stink around him when it comes to that stuff. And, and also, it's it's interesting too because while Sean Payton has had a lot of success and he had a lot of success uh, in new Orleans, you know, the peak of that success is with drew Brees, mm-hmm. hall of famer. I personally don't think anybody has ever played the quarterback position at a higher level than when Aaron Rodgers has been at his best. I'm not saying he's the greatest quarterback ever, but I don't when, whatever the highest level Aaron Rodgers has ever played the quarterback position. Nobody has ever played it at a higher level. They might've been at that level, but nobody's yeah. ever played at a higher level. But he, it's interesting how it, it is kind of looked at as like, well, McCarthy had Rodgers. Rodgers won all those. And you're just kind of like, yeah. But then when he left, they really still had some good Packers teams and they didn't get it done there. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, you're kind of like, and then the other part is that, you know, one of the big storylines going in this offseason for the Cowboys is Dak having 15 interceptions leading the league last year. And how are you going to hate that storyline? His interceptions were not like that. Yeah. I can watch them. A lot of tip passes, a lot of kind of mistakes for receivers. Like I think maybe six were his fault out of the 15 or something like that. If you go back and watch them all. Um, right. So the craziest storyline. Yeah. Yeah, but the craziest part about that is you look at Mike McCarthy, and this is another thing I didn't know until I went back and looked at it, is that so Mike Sherman's last year in Green Bay, (laughs) it's just so funny because they've extended to 17 games in the season, okay? And Dak Prescott threw 15 interceptions. Now, he did miss time. Don't get me wrong. Now, he he obviously missed games. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, you know, it is still kind of crazy that he threw that many interceptions. That's the most he's ever thrown. It led the league. Well, in Mike Sherman's last year as Packers head coach, Brett Favre, and I want to just make sure that I have this right, because I, I <laughs> 29 interceptions. <laughs> that was his career high. So almost double what Dak had, okay? Oh, my God. And, and so the only reason I bring it up is because so then the next year, Mike McCarthy got there, Favre went down to 18, and then his last year with, with Favre, Favre went down to 15 interceptions. So I would think that, you know, that's something that you can certainly look up, look upon but just to think that like a guy had 29 interceptions in one season, obviously, you know, a great quarterback hall of famer too, but it is interesting the way that it's looked at as like Sean Payton is this guru, whatever he does is great. And Mike McCarthy's just kind of been in the right place at the right time thing. Yeah. And like, if they were both to end their career, Sean Payton, hundred percent go on the hall of fame. Mike McCarthy won't be going on the hall yeah. of fame kind of thing. Right. I, yeah. I actually think he had a great year last year. I think he, he doesn't get enough credit for what he did with Cooper Rush as a quarterback. When he when he had to take over, like the Cowboys' offense kept rolling, the team didn't pretty much miss a beat with Cooper Rush there. Um, I, I think Mike McCarthy kind of uh, uh, rejuvenized, I guess, his image as Cowboys head coach last season. Um, I want to talk about the man calling the shots, Jerry Jones. He's going to be turning 81 years old in October. 
He's still the general manager of the Dallas Cowboys. John, I laugh because he's I laugh because he's gonna outlive all of us, but go on. <laughs> yeah. John, how much longer is Jerry Jones gonna be calling the shots for the Cowboys? And what does it look what does a post Jerry Jones Cowboys team look like? Um, as long as Jerry Jones is alive, he'll be calling the shots. And so that could be in a situation where, you know, it gets to a point where we don't see him as much anymore, you know. Um we don't get to talk to him as much anymore. And, but kind of in a way, he's still, everyone knows is running the shots. You know, I mean, over the years, you can kind of see like Stephen Jones talks a little bit more than he has in the past. And, and it just, it'll be, I really think it'll be a smooth transition in a sense that you know that Stephen Jones, Charlotte Jones, Jerry Jones Jr., they've been in a place, in, in place for a while. Like the whole succession plan is there. And so, I, I do think that the biggest difference will be that when Steven takes over, he won't do things to kind of just rile things up just to rile them up. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Jerry likes to do that. Jerry likes to get the storylines. And and while he thinks some of the things are harmless, you just you, you hear from the team that, you know, like coaches, they don't love a lot of that. You know, a lot of those things that they just are stirring up storylines that you know, the coaches would rather fly under the radar than be stirring things up. And and that's in Jerry's DNA. I don't think it's in, in Steven's DNA like that, you know, and, and really it, it's not even about the Jones family. It's not in 99% of human beings. You know what I'm saying? Like how many other even owners in sports, I will say, I mean, I guess a lot of people would argue two of them live in Dallas between Jerry Jones and Mark Cuban, but even living down here, like Mark Cuban's not on Jerry Jones's level. I'm telling you, he is not like when stuff starts going bad, Mark Cuban, you kind of won't hear from him that much, but Jerry Jones, whether it's going good or bad, whatever he's been out there. So basically what I'm getting at is I could see when it transitions over to Steven running the team, um, maybe they dial that back a little bit. Cause I can give you a great example of like Jerry, like I, I, as you've probably heard, NFL was having a little bit of a difficult time finding like who wants to be on hard knocks. You know, no one really wants to do it. Like Jerry Jones, if he just bought like let's say the Lions within the last two or three years, the Lions would be doing hard knocks for the for the second season in a row. I guarantee you. <laughs> Most people don't want to do that. I don't. I can't see Stephen Jones wanting to do that. Yeah. Um, so because like that, I think that will change a little bit. And I think the next thing that people would wonder then off of that is, well, then will he hire a GM? And I do think that there's a chance. I could see, you know. Will McClay, who basically, I mean, he runs their draft and, and he's their number one personnel guy. I could see him becoming their GM, but I don't see them going outside the family. I think it's going to stay within the Jones family. I just think that there'll be less headlines made from the front office. But yeah, no, Jerry's calling the shots as long as he's alive. It was funny. I, I was just pulling up this article. It was four months ago. I thought it was you that posted the videos. You, you could have as well. Jerry Jones just arrived somewhere. Could have been the owner's meetings. I don't remember exactly. He was late somewhere. He showed up and then he started comparing Dak to Tom Brady. Do you, yeah. do you remember any of this? I, yeah, remember, yeah. I wrote yeah. a story on it and it was kind of like he just kept rambling. Yeah. Like Jones rambled for like 10 minutes about stuff. He kind of he kind of seems like the older he gets, the more he likes to talk. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. there's certain there's certain moments like I look back on my time. I started covering the Cowboys in 2011 and there's certain moments I can I can take you exactly where I was at wherever the practice facility, whether it's Valley Ranch or the star or out at the stadium when Jerry said whatever, like, cause it, it just, those moments when, you know, you're standing there in a scrum and, you know, especially after a game or something like, you know, or after the draft, you're hearing like 10 minutes of just like, yeah, I mean, 
I'll transcribe this later and use it somewhere, but I don't, and then he'll always, there's, there's just a moment where you're like, your ears perk up. And you're like, did he just say that? Like, yeah. Yeah, here we go. I'll give you one that I, I will always remember. And it kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but I just will always remember in the 2012 draft, they traded up to get Morris Claiborne. And so they gave up their first and second round pick. And so after, I want to say it was after day two. So after the second and third round, I remember walking with like two or three reporters in this atrium at the old Valley ranch facility. And this is a question that you can literally, it would be a waste of your time asking any other person in sports in any front office, but with Jerry, you know, you'll get something. Jerry, if you would have had that second round pick, who would you have drafted? This is right after the draft's over. Okay. He goes, Oh, um, we really like that Utah state linebacker, that Wagner. And so there's no hindsight's 2020 knowing what Bobby Wagner was going to be. Yeah. Like there's no like him saying that now on the radio, people be like, sure, you said that, you know, kind of yeah. like the LeBron memes of like LeBron knows everybody's gonna be great. Yeah. This is the next hot artist, next big movie star. Like if Jerry says that now, people roll their eyes, but it's the Utah State linebacker, Bobby Wagner. Like it's one of those things where I'm like, I think it's he's talking about Bobby Wagner. Let me go double check or whatever, like that. And you're like, okay, Bobby Wagner, all right. And then you just follow his career and you're just like, Oh man, wow, can you just imagine if they but that exactly that story is why nobody else in front offices say things like that. Like you'll yeah. get it in books, like after their careers are over, they're like, yeah, you know, we really liked whatever. Well, hindsight always sounds great. Everybody was like, I love Tom Brady. I don't know why we waited this sixth round, mm -hmm. but yeah, he's still there in the sixth round. But when he said that Bobby Wagner thing, I'm just like, yeah, well, it would have been nice to have him for about a decade. It's like Harry Roseman always goes back to when uh, the Seahawks traded up ahead of him to draft Russell Wilson. It's yeah. one of like, he talks about it all the time. And one of the reasons I think he took Jalen Hurts is because he regretted passing, or I guess not passing on Russell Wilson, but they were going to take Russell Wilson if he was there. And Makes he sense. had that memory in his head. He's like, I, it, I like this quarterback. I know we already have one, but I don't care. I'm not having the Russell Wilson stuff happen to me again. And um, I think that was a, a huge reason why they did take him. Um, okay, a couple more before you go. Let's talk about the division here, the NFC East. Give me some takes on the Commanders, Giants, Eagles. How do you feel about the rest of the division around Dallas? So I think it's clearly a two-team race between the Eagles and Cowboys. Um, Giants are clearly third, and Washington is clearly fourth. I, I just don't think there's much debate there. Now, Now, could New York surprise some, some people and, and keep building off of what they did last year? I didn't expect them to play as well as they did last year. Sure. I mean, and plus, it's the NFC East. I mean, not to have a back-to-back -back winner since 2004. Mm -hmm. I'd be foolish to sit here and tell you, well, there's no way the Giants are winning the NFC East. At the end of the day, yeah, they could win the NFC East. I don't think they will. I think it'll be down to the Cowboys and Eagles. And I, I really think that because I think the whole NFC comes down to Cowboys, Eagles, and Niners. So um, I would put Eagles one, Cowboys two, Giants, and then Washington. Um, it'll be interesting to see Washington just with, you know, Eric Bieniemy calling plays. Can that defensive line finally stay healthy? They have so much talent they've drafted over the years. Uh, that you're just like, man, if they were ever, ever able to put all that together, that like, how did man, Howell they, look? How did Howell look? You, I guess you were at the game, right? The weekend. Yeah. How did he look um, from the eye test? So, I mean, he looked good in that game, okay. but in that game, it was just from my standpoint, it was so difficult for me to look past just how bad the Cowboys did played Dak, as a whole. Dak, go back and look at Dak's stats. I went back and looked at Dak Prescott. That was like, you brought up the 49ers game, potentially. Yeah. Game ever. Dak was like, you completely Terrible. Like 40 of his passes, two picks. I am so I am not buying the Sam Howell hype. I, I I'm yeah, just, no, I'm, no, not no. Doing it. I, I'm not buying. I think the Commanders are in uh, Caleb Williams territory this year. Yeah, no, I, and yeah. that makes that makes complete sense yeah. for sure. I would be very surprising to see them have a winning record. So, mm -hmm. um, but I do think. I mean, 
just selling the team is such a huge, huge move for that franchise that I, I believe it's one of the most like undersold stories because of, in sports right now, because of the fact of like the way that they have been run for two over two decades is just so bad that to just get anybody in there, I'm not sitting there saying that you're going to get like the best ownership and then they're going to win a Super Bowl, but to even get you to just where you're middle of the pack. I mean, like I said, I started covering the Cowboys in 2011, that 2012 season where Robert Griffin was on fire. That's the only time that I was ever remember being like, man, you know, the Cowboys got Washington coming to town. It's going to be a big, I mean, it's just been one year after another where you're just like, what is this game against 2012 against right. Yeah, my, my dad's a diehard commanders fan. Like he, he was crying almost when he found out Dan Snyder was officially selling. He it's can't stand Dan Snyder. Right. Yeah. And then, so Giants, it seems like they're heading in a better direction. Um, you know, Saquon Barkley things is, is obviously a huge talking point with them. I mean, they're going to have to get something done with him. That offense isn't going to be the same without him. So could they build on what they did last year? Sure. Uh, I thought, I mean, Brian Dable is a great hire, so possibly. But I just think that, the, you know, the rosters alone that the Eagles and Cowboys have are just on another level. And now with Aaron Rodgers out of the NFC, I mean, it is the NFC is is there for the taking, like really no other time I can really think of in my life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, because of that, I just, like I said, two team race, I, I, I think the Eagles and Cowboys will split during the regular season. And I think that there's a good chance that they meet in the playoffs and maybe it's the NFC championship game. I, I just, I think it's the NFC Championship game. I think it's the Eagles and Cowboys for the conference. I think those are yeah. the two best teams. And I actually think it's very close. Like I, I am uh I think the Eagles are maybe a slid like a smidge better, but yeah, I agree. I, I really, really like what Dallas for this offseason. Dallas scares me as an Eagles fan. I think way more than the 49ers do. Like I I think the 49ers, you don't know who's playing quarterback right now. Like I don't buy the Brock Purdy hype. Never I never have. I don't think I ever will. Um, I think if Trey Lance pops off, then there's a different story. But Brock Purdy's running that team. I just I don't see it. I think it's Cowboys Eagles for the conference. I think that will ultimately be it. The the one thing that I will add in there, I do think it is too, and that is the best rivalry game that everybody would love. The ratings would be phenomenal, obviously. But there is obviously over these last two years building a kind of I just feel like they would want to see the Niners again at some point, just because yeah. that they've ended their season the last two years. You know, obviously the Niners, Cowboys rivalries that go back, you know, eighties, nineties, things like that. And, I do feel like they're going to have to go through the Niners. And so maybe they do that in the divisional round game. And then, and then if they win that have to play the Eagles, you know, in the NFC championship game. But really the only thing with the Eagles that would have me concerned is just the fact that I, I don't think it's going to be just this easy thing to just replace both coordinators. Now, no. maybe by the end of the season, everything is back to where it was last year where they were going into the playoffs. But I just think there's going to take some time. There's going to be some, uh, you know, maybe some growing pains there. I think there's gonna be some growing pains with the Cowboys with just going with more of a West coast offense with, with Schottenheimer and McCarthy. But um, outside of that, I mean, I just think that I just think the Eagles are primed to build off of what they did last year. And they got to feel like, I mean, they, they were right there to win the Super Bowl, And so there is, there's something to be said for, you know, a Super Bowl hangover, you know, losing teams in the Super Bowl and that, and that could potentially happen. And then obviously the whole 2004, I mean, it's just absurd how long it's been since somebody's won the NFC East and back to back years. I mean, you look at every other division, it's like it, that, that, that run doesn't go any longer than like two years, three years, and then it ends. And it's like 2004, the Detroit Pistons won the championship in 2004. It's absurd. It's forever ago. Nine years old. Nine years old. Uh, um, one last question for you. So it's been, I did the math today. 
It's been 10,027 days since the Cowboys have made it in an NFC Championship game. I went and did the math this morning. Um, what's the fan base uh, kind of feel? Because I know you're, you're pretty tapped into the Cowboys fan base on social media and whatnot. How are they feeling heading into this year? Oh, it's very – like they could win 13 games, 14 games, and it's it's all about, Just all right, playoffs. what are you going to do in the playoffs? Are you going to yeah. play your best when it matters most? You know, that's what it's all about. And so it's going to be interesting to see the way this regular season goes because – they could get off to a hot start and, you know, obviously there'll be a lot of momentum and a lot of positive talk and things like that. I mean, but it, it'll still come down to, all right, well, we'll see what they do in January. You know, will they be able to beat the Eagles? Will they be able to beat the Niners? And until that happens, until they finally get to the NFC championship game, fans really aren't going to believe. I mean, the majority of them, obviously you have some diehards that will believe no matter what, but they, let's be honest, they haven't done enough to make fans believe that they can get back to the Super Bowl just because it's been so long um, for a team that has all the resources that, let's be honest, that it, it shouldn't go, okay, I'm not sitting here saying that you should win a Super Bowl every 10 years, but the Cowboy, Dallas Cowboys should get to the Super Bowl at least once every 10 years. I mean, I don't think that that's absurd to say. With the resources they have, the attraction that they have, how many players want to play for the Cowboys, um, just like, I don't know, the the history, all the advantages they have and just the money that's spent, the money you can spend. Like, again, like you brought the Lions earlier, there are certain coaches, people in the front office, et cetera, that you just can't hire if you're the, the Lions. They just, you can't get them. The Cowboys can get whoever they want, you know? And so because of that, that's why I say they're one of few teams that I believe every 10 years they should make it to a Super Bowl or at least an NFC championship game. And so for it to be this long, frankly, I'm with fans. They should have to see it. So I mean, there's some positive momentum, like I said, back-to-back 12-win seasons, and, and they haven't done that since those 90s teams. Maybe they're heading in the right direction. Uh, Micah Parsons, obviously, ch- has changed everything on that defense, and it's made them a team where their defense is, is is probably their strength now, and that's been a long time since you could say that about the Cowboys. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of hype, don't get me wrong, but in terms of getting to Super Bowl, nobody wants to hear that talk until they finally do it. John Machota of The Athletic, he is the Cowboys writer there. My go-to when it comes to Cowboys news. Thanks so much for jumping on, man. Appreciate you. Why don't you plug in any stories you got coming up, your social media, plug away. Yeah, just on Twitter, at John Machota, J-O-N-M-A-C-H-O-T-A. I I tweet really 98, 99% of Cowboys stuff. I really don't give you my random thoughts on whatever NBA, MLB game I'm watching. Uh, So if you're into the Cowboys or you just want to keep up with the Cowboys. I'm telling you, I, I put very little spam on, onto your Twitter feed. Um, but yeah. And, and then at the athletic, we podcast, uh, you know, writing multiple times per week, especially with training camp once it gets started up. So yeah, if, if just gonna look at one of my articles and subscribe to the athletic, I would appreciate that or follow me on Twitter. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you, man. We will be talking next summer and enjoy, uh, enjoy the year.